This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody else, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Yep. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. And if you want more shows every week on Thursdays, we do release an extra show to members only on the website. So, If you want to hear more of The Confessionals, all the past, previous member episodes, and all the future ones, go to theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. And again, friends, we are in a crazy world. 2020 has not disappointed. And if you want to make sure you're ready for 2021, get your emergency preparedness food now because I promise you the party is not over yet. So go to preparewiththeconfessionals.com. That's preparewiththeconfessionals.com where we offer emergency preparedness food and you can get $100 off your four-month supply. And we offer a lot of great deals on a lot of different products. That's not just food. I'm telling you, friends, if you haven't checked it out, I encourage you to do so because there's nothing more important for you to make sure you and your family are safe. Now, this week, we have two people coming on the show. We have Jennifer and Mitch. Jennifer was with her friends in a cemetery, and they came all together across 
the Grim Reaper. She talks about that experience first, and then we bring on Mitch, and he's going to be talking about his paranormal experiences as well. And before we get to these friends of the show, I want to let you guys know something I've been thinking about, and you need to let me know if it's something you'd be interested in. I'm thinking about starting a voicemail line for the show. If you guys think that you would like to take advantage of a voicemail line where you call in and tell me something that just happened to you, like right in the moment, like you call and say, Tony, this just happened. I might open up a voicemail line for those kind of situations if there's an interest. So please, if you're interested in it, comment on the website, shoot us an email, comment on the social media on Instagram. I don't care where you let us know. Just let us know if that's something that interests you. So let's get to Jennifer right now. Okay, today we got Jennifer on the show. Jennifer, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. So uh, you have some interesting experiences. And one of the experiences that we're, I think we're going to get off to right, right in the beginning here is the Grim Reaper. Uh, I love hearing these types of stories. And uh, it's it's not because I want to have the experience, but it's more the fascination of people seeing something that looks like a Grim Reaper, because my entire life growing up and stuff, I assumed that that was just a fictional character. But the more I do this show, the more I hear people talking about these these characters that I thought were once fiction and they seem to be pretty real. So if you could just kind of walk us into this experience that you were having with this Grim Reaper. Well, um, I had moved to Panama City, Florida. Um, from Vegas and I made some friends and because uh, I was working at Church's Chicken and <laughs> you know the first teenager job and um, we used to go to cemeteries at night just because I mean you're under 21 and you're at, in a beach town really what is there to do especially when the beaches close after sundown so um, we would just yeah we just go hang out in cemeteries and um, there was this one called Millville and um, so my friend's like, yeah, let's, let's go and we park the car across the street. And I'm thinking, I'm so weird with these people just going out in cemeteries <laughs> and um, you know, we're just walking around and there's a lot of older tombstones and you know, you're kind of getting a feel for like the history of the area. And one of my friends who was with us, because uh, it was just two guys and myself, um, he didn't believe in supernatural anything. So he was just kind of there with us just for, I guess, the fun or the experience. And um, so he kind of just like stopped in an area and was looking at stuff and we kept walking. And my friend says to me, do you want to see what I call the one-way mirror? And I was like, one-way one mirror? And he's like, yeah, you can see the entire cemetery from this one spot, but you can't see into the spot from anywhere. I'm like, okay, that's crazy. So we go over this one spot, it's by the gate, and we're looking out, and I mean, you can literally see from edge to edge of this cemetery. And he notices that there's like this light out in a certain spot. And so... He just gets out of the area and we start walking forward and he's like, oh, that must be new. And I'm looking straight ahead and it looks like a statue with its hand outstretched. And 
it looks like there's Spanish moss coming off the statue. So I'm like, it can't be that new if it's already got stuff hanging from it. And our other friend is like walking towards us and walks probably about 15 feet from the statue towards us. And I kind of do like this side to side motion. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And then the statue moves and the hand lowers. And I'm like, okay, so there's another person here. And uh, so me being at this point kind of stupid and like being like, oh, there's another person here. Let me go say hi to them. Um, which is a really bad idea. <laughs> um, just a little bit. Um, so, you know, we start walking in that direction. And I pull out my phone and this is like iPhone 4, like super old. And I'm looking at my, my battery power because I want to turn on my flashlight. And if it's like less than 20%, the phone will just die. And I'm looking, okay, 50%. So I go to flip on my flashlight to shine it in that person's direction. And my phone just dies. And so I notice the person's like touching a tree. And they're so skinny. Their arms are so skinny poking out of this robe that they look bony and just and, and frail. And they start like crouching around the tree and like touching the tree. And I can't hear anything. It's like dead silence coming from this person. And there's like leaves on the ground. There's pine needles. Like I should hear crunching as this person moves, but I hear absolutely nothing. And so I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of rude not to say hi to somebody when they say hi to you and still no response. So we just keep going closer and we get about five feet away. I'm directly in front of it. And my, Two guy friends have moved off to my right a little bit. And I realize that the reason why this person looks so bony thin is because that is a skeleton hand oh, touching God. the tree. And I see like little wisps of hair coming out from underneath the robe. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is too much right now. And my friend goes, Jen, look. And I notice the gleam from, I don't know if it's called a scythe or a sigh the arched um or sickle whatever it's called across the lap and i just i like lost complete composure and i was like okay we're out of here <laughs> and um we wound up in the parking lot next to where we worked for about an hour thinking about this and talking it over like trying to make sure that we saw the same thing that something was actually there and it wasn't just a person like messing with us. And, um, it was, I mean, it was very scary to like look back on even now. And like, I've talked to them maybe a few times since I moved away and I still get the chills. And I went back there like about six months later and the spot where that, where the Grim Reaper was, there was a tomb that the tree had grown into and had cracked the, the um, cement top open. So the the tree grew into a tomb, cracks the cement top open. Did you notice that beforehand? Like when you were there, was it too dark to notice that? It was too dark to notice it. Okay. So how tall was this thing? I mean, it, you get five feet within this thing. My God, that's close. I, I mean, when you're telling the story, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, they saw it from, you know, a hundred yards away, maybe a hundred feet away, but five feet away. I mean, my I Lord. Was, I was no more than 50 feet away to start off with. Unbelievable. How tall was it? Honestly, I want to say maybe six foot. 
that's why at first I thought it was a person or a statue. Okay. So yeah, I, in my head, I'm thinking it's got to be like, you know, nine feet tall and stuff, but that, <laughs> that, that would kind of give it away that the, <laughs> it's something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And this thing was definitely trying, like, at first I'm pretty sure it was trying to blend in with the surroundings. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it has its hand stretched out towards you. Uh, I yeah. think you described it as pointing towards you or something. Uh, that, that I mean, that's classic Grim Reaper right there. I mean, that's just that what you picture is a Grim Reaper uh, pointing at whoever it wants. Uh, did it have like a staff or something in its hand or was it just, you know, in this weird cloak? It was it was in a weird cloak. I didn't if it was holding the staff prior. I hadn't noticed it was when it was laying across the lap that I saw the gleam of the blade. Oh, that's right. That's right. You did see the blade. Oh, man. Now, okay, so have you ever looked into the Grim Reaper and its origins at all after this experience? I have not. I'm actually kind of scared of what I'll find out because of what I've seen. See, and I haven't either, and I, I need to now because, like, thinking about it, I, I just, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder, like, the Grim Reaper and where it comes from. I mean, did they, did somebody see this thing and, and start documenting it, or maybe many people? And they started documenting it, and it just kind of got passed down. Uh, you you said that there was like hair coming out from the sleeve, right? Um, coming out from the hood. So do do you think it was like a skull with hair on it, like a dead person's skull with hair on it? I didn't see its face. It was pitch black under the hood, so I have no idea. I just saw like these little wisps of hair, and I'm like, the image in my head was yes, a skull with just like hair stuck to it. It just freaked me out. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I know you wouldn't do this, and I probably wouldn't either. But I really wish somebody would challenge this thing. Like, I, I wish you, you could just like, I don't know, push it or or something, just to see what would happen. Like, you're with a bunch of people. Would you have died? Would you've all died? Or I don't know. But it, it's just you know, because I hear about this thing and what you just described. It sounds very physical, uh, but. It's it's obviously a paranormal type thing, you know, and it's just like I I just I'm so fascinated by what this thing is that people are seeing. Yeah, and it's I mean, literally the sound there was no sound coming from it, which was the oddest feeling because you can hear the sound of like I mean it's summer, so you can hear the sound of like animals around you uh, or crickets and stuff, but in this one spot is just void of everything. Yeah, it's really interesting. And what's your friends? I mean, did they ever talk about it again? Did you guys ever talk about it every once in a while and stuff? Or is it something that you guys just kind of let it go and didn't really, you know, bring it up after the initial experience? We brought it up a few times. Um, and kind of just like, you know, remember that one night kind of stuff and like, oh, we're all, you know, we're all surprised none of us are dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, ah it's the stuff that gives you nightmares and i mean i'm assuming i mean i shouldn't assume but did you ever have any nightmares from this experience i did i did i'd have dreams that i'd be like driving through um the cemetery because this happened like right through the road that goes straight through it into a an actual like neighborhood and i would sometimes have dreams that i'm like driving and my car would just stop next to that spot or that i was in what my friend called the one-way mirror and I would be staring at it and it'd be coming towards me. But I'd always wake up like just before it could get anywhere near me or touch me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad you're waking up before that. Uh, so this one-way mirror and stuff, remind me, I know you were talking about it, but could you describe what your friend was talking about again with this, this whole idea of the one-way mirror? 
I think he might have meant like a one-way window or something, but he called it a mirror for some reason. So it's right along the fence, and it's surrounded by trees and uh, bushes. But you can you can see the entire cemetery from this spot, but if you're standing outside all those trees, you can't see into the spot. Okay. Okay, so it was a very physical thing. It wasn't some kind of mystical thing that he was like doing Harry Potter stuff. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure. I got to cover all the bases here, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you never know. I've asked questions before where I thought that people were going to give me an answer and they totally gave me a, a home run left field answer. I was like, whoa, didn't expect that one. So, um, but, you know, this isn't the only thing that you've experienced. You've had uh, an experience where I guess you lived in a haunted house, right? And you had experiences in there? Yes. Um, yeah, this house was, uh, it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead and tell us about it. Um, so uh, my father um, was very in love with this woman. Um, she's, both of them are passed away now, so I don't have any problems stating their names. Her name was... Arlene, she was a wonderful woman. She had muscular dystrophy, um, but she was, I guess, the first uh, like mother figure I ever really had. And she had a daughter who was mental. Um, well, I don't know what to call it. Um, mentally handicapped. Mentally, yeah. Um, and she also had muscular dystrophy. And she was, I mean, she was an awesome sister because even though we were ten years apart, we were still in the same like headspace age wise. Um, or yeah, <laughs> so, um, they bought this house in, uh, in Las Vegas and, uh, they moved from Bayonne, New Jersey. And it was, uh, my stepmom, her father, who was a, kind of like a hermit. He like never left the house and her daughter. And we were living in Henderson at the time and we would drive up to see her and we had made this plan that after her father passed away, my dad and I would move in and we'd be a family. And so I'm around like 12 or so. And, you know, I had feelings about this house since I was like eight years old. Like I felt like something about it wasn't right, but I just never really said anything. And after my stepmom's father passed away, I would still hear him coming down the, the hallway because he would drag his feet and I could still, I'd be laying, um, cause I slept on the floor in my stepsister's room and I would just hear the, like the feet just moving and I'd get real freaked out. And I was so happy the door was closed. Um, and then we wound up moving in and I was in the bathroom, which is all the way down the hall from the living room because my bedroom and the bathroom were at the end of the hall. And I'm just, you know, teenage girl stuff, looking at my face, cleaning my face, and I hear my father call my name. So I go out down the hallway around the corner, and like, you call me? Because my dad wasn't the type of person you yell what to. He's one of those types of people you call, he calls your name, you go to him. Yeah. If you say what, you're pretty much looking for getting your <laughs> <happy>. <laughs> Um, so... Went down the hall and uh, I was like, did you call me? And he said, no. And I said, are you sure? Said, yeah, I'm pretty positive. And I was like, you're not just messing with me. He's like, why would I do that? I was like, okay. So, you know, I noticed, okay. So he's fully engrossed in his TV show. So I start him back down the hall and I hear my name again, except instead of it coming from the living room, it's coming from the air vent just outside my bathroom. 
and it freaked me out so bad and I told my dad about it he never truly believed in this stuff but it did scare him for me because he was worried about the things that I would experience and so he, you know, he, he was, I told him about the voice and he said, whatever it is, just don't answer it and it can't bother you. And I said, well, you don't believe in this stuff. You don't know the answers. And he said, just don't acknowledge it. I said, okay. But I would get chills every time I'd go under this, this vent. And I would always like going into my bathroom, I'd look back at it or going into my room just across the hall. And I'd still look at it, like making sure that I couldn't see anything coming out of it. Um, but it happened a few times where just out of that specific vent, I would hear my name. And um, I had another encounter where it was right about Christmas because I was wrapping some, um, some presents in my room and my dad worked nights, so he was gone. He usually left like right before the sun went down because he was a truck driver, um, but locally uh, for a cement company out in Vegas called Apex. Um, and he would be home like way after I went to school and he'd just, you know, sleep all day and then head out again. So it'd just be me and my stepsister. And, uh, I just remember I was wrapping presents and I go back into my dad's room to put the wrapping paper in his, in his closet. And this was like one of those sliding mirror closet doors. And when I'm walking into his room, I notice a black bag in the corner. And I'm thinking, oh, I bet my presents are hiding in there. And I'm like, I'm not going to mess with it. Because I did that a few years prior and he caught me <laughs> with a flashlight looking through a bag. Um, and uh, so I just put the, put the uh, wrapping paper back. But while I was in the closet, I heard like a, like a shuffle. And it sounded like it was coming from the bag. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, whatever is stacked in there just fell over. It's fine. Like, just leave the room. And as I'm closing the mirror, I notice that the bag is no longer, you know, on the floor. It is this, like, straight line standing up. And I'm just staring at it in the mirror, and it kind of reminded me of, like, this is going to be, like, the dumbest thing, but <laughs> if you've ever watched a Marilyn Manson music video and he wears, like, this long black dress, that's exactly what it reminded oh, me of. Oh, man. Without a face. Just all the, the crooked standing up with, like, the back kind of hunched. And it just, I didn't know, like, to scream or to just fall to the floor. So I just stared at it for, like, probably a good minute before my stepsister came down the hall. And she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Um, and then, uh... I can't remember what time of year this one happened, but uh, my sister, it was probably about three o'clock in the morning and my sister was already in the bathroom and I'm like, I have to go. So I go down the hall to my dad's room and again, he's working. So, you know, I'm just washing my hands and as I'm turning away from the sink, I see the reflection of a girl by the towel rack but like the 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 very um creepy long black hair that you get from like the grudge or the ring girl in a dress you know very you know cliche yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
and she's just looking at me. And I still go over the towel rack to dry my hands, but I get out of there as fast as I can. And I'm thinking like, okay, so whatever this is, because that experience happened after um, the, the bag. And I'm thinking, whatever this is, the closest thing I can, I can like relate it to is Harry Potter's Bogart or the Bogart in the closet or whatever it was. That sure. <laughs> like <laughs> taking on something that I fear, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, the house just has a lot of, um, it's had a lot of darkness around it. Um, cause everybody who lived in the house prior to me, and my dad moving in, like my, my stepmom's father, he had passed away, and then my stepmom got sick living in the house, um, and her muscles eventually gave out, and she went to the hospital, and then she passed away. And then even my stepsister, you know, she just starts screaming. I mean, this girl never screams. She was very quiet, and she just starts screaming one day, that she, and she's in pain, and she goes to the hospital, and she passes away. And so my dad said, okay, you know, the mortgage is too expensive for us to live here on our own. And I feel like if we stayed here, if we stay here, somebody's, you know, going to wind up dead. So we need to move. And I said, okay, cool. I am completely fine with that. Yeah, I, I would be completely fine with it as well. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. having those experiences there and stuff. I mean, so I guess uh, with your mother or your stepmother and sister, uh, do you do you feel like the house and what was in it had anything to do with their their passing away? I do, um, because my stepmom, even with her muscular dystrophy, I mean, she was able to, you know, walk up and down the hall. Um, she had one of those um, electric recliners that went all the way up, so she was able to get out of it. Like she could walk. I mean, it was difficult for her, but for her knees to just give out in the middle of the night. And for her not to be able to move her legs, period, um, was just very strange. And, you know, I think she knew something was there because she was she was sensitive to stuff, too. And she sometimes she'd be like, I just sometimes I don't like it here at night. And I was like, hmm, OK. <laughs> so she never gave you a reason as to why she just said she didn't like it. Yeah, she would just, you know, sometimes I don't like it here at night. And I'm like. I, I never kind of like pushed her for it because I think I didn't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you probably already knew, you know? Yeah. At that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I, even the, uh, the Marilyn Manson comparison, I, I know exactly what you want. Believe it or not, uh, people probably don't believe this, but, uh, I'm a huge Manson fan. Like I, I love that music and, uh, you know, being a Christian, people are like, you're going to hell for listening to that music. I'm like, ah, it's good music. <laughs> I, I get that too, because also a Christian, but I mean, nine times out of 10 outside of uh, my job, which I'm a, a, a vet assistant, I'm wearing camo jeans. I own like seven pairs of cowgirl boots. And when people hear that I used to be a huge fan and I still, you know, listen to his music every now and again. They're like, Oh, I would have never, I would have never guessed. You seem like such a, you know, such a redneck. And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I <laughs> <Yeah>. like him. 
I mean, the same thing with me. I mean, like everybody thinks that I just listen to hip hop or EDM and it's like, I literally listen to everything. I, I truly do. Like I, I listen to country music. I listen to anything that I feel like listening to. And there's times that I'm in the mood for some Manson and, uh, you know, I'll probably play him for an outro for this show. You know, <laughs> you know? so I love him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, 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 uh, something else. I mean, he's a character. That's for sure. I mean, I'm, I, I think he's a little sketchy and stuff. I wouldn't want to hang out with him, but the music oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Music's on point. So, <laughs> but I actually uh, played one of his songs today at work because uh, the song uh, "Tainted Love" had come on because we were listening to some like old school radio. Um, and I, I looked at one of the girls and I was like, "Have you ever heard the Marilyn Manson version of this song?" And she goes, "What? He has a version of this song." Oh, and I was yeah. Like, yeah. So I played it. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, he, listen, that might be a better one than the original one, honestly. Yes, I, I I like it better than than the original. I even like it better than the Pussycat Dolls version of it too. Yeah, I'm not sure if I heard that one before, but uh, I would imagine so because I'm not a huge fan of the the dolls. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, Jennifer, I appreciate you sharing these experiences and stuff. And uh, you know, before we roll out of here with this house, do you think that this whatever it was, maybe it was more than one thing in the house. I'm, I'm not sure. But do you think that any of this followed you at all throughout your life? Or do you think it was a one specific location? You move in, stuff was happening, you leave, it's done. Honestly, because I've had more experiences later on in my life, I, I don't know. Nothing similar to that. Um, but I have tried to reach out to the people who own the house now, but I never got a response. Hold on a second. You've had other experiences after that? My life is full of experience. Oh, well, <laughs> then we're not done yet. Talk to me. <laughs> oh, well, I was just, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to like talk too much. I don't want to talk too little. I know you said, you know, say, say what you need to say, but yeah. sometimes I'm like, uh, I, I can, I can talk too much. <laughs> no, it's fine. Talk to me. What else happened? Um, well, and this is another house situation, but it wasn't my house. Um, I had a really close friend in high school who lost her dad in a motorcycle accident. And, um, so she would routinely like, kind of like have visits from him, which I mean, since my dad's passing, like, I really wish that I had, you know, something similar to that. Um, but like her brother had drawn this picture and there was like this dark figure off on the, on the edge of the picture. And I said, well, who's that? And he said, that's my dad. And I was like, okay, cool beans. Um, that's great. And my friend looks at me and she's like, no, he comes around a lot. And I was like, that's, I'm not sure if I'm okay with like the feeling of that because like, yes, it's like, it's her dad. But at the same time, like for me, when people pass away, it's not always them. Sometimes it can be a little bit darker. And especially with that picture, it definitely felt a lot darker. So we're, we're in her room and I've always been terrified of the dark. <laughs> so she goes to turn on this little like light box um, before we go to sleep. And I just feel this heaviness in the room. And, I look, and I'm just like, is your dad here? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, why does he feel so heavy? And she's like, he was a big man. And I was like, no, his presence is heavy. Like, it just felt like there was a weight on the room if that makes any sense and um her mom would hear knocking on her on her bedroom door from time to time and she would open it and she would like 
feel him, I guess, in a sort of sense. Or um, there'd be knocking on, like, the actual door to the house, and then it would turn into pounding. And they'd open the door, and nobody would be there. But then, like, you know, a few hours later, he'd go back to knocking on their bedroom door. Like, he was trying to get in. And that kind of freaked me out um, because it wasn't just me, like, in my, I guess, my imagination. Like, there was somebody else there confirming that this was happening. And then um, it was about uh, a year and a half ago, I was doing security in the state building um, for the state newspaper here in South Carolina. And I'd never gotten an eerie feeling working at night, ever. It was just, you know, go down to, go down to the basement, get the numbers off of, like, the big computers, um, take the temperature of the room, go back upstairs. And go sit in, you know, the reception area. Except it was it was getting close to, I think it was Hurricane Florence. <clears throat> and so I was thinking, like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just freaked out because there's a hurricane coming. But I kept feeling like somebody was watching me. Like, eyes on the back of my head. And so one of my friends who worked at the state, I had gone down to his office. I was like, man, I just don't feel easy. Like usually every night like i'm cool i'm calm i'm collected here like nothing freaks me out but i feel like i'm being watched and he's like well let me get back to you on that i was like well what do you mean he said well i'm gonna get a hold of some of my friends who who are in touch with this kind of stuff and i'm like oh that's cool like these are people i want to know <laughs> maybe they could explain some stuff that's happened in my life yeah and so he winds up calling me a couple days later and I was out on my porch and like I started getting weirded out even being out on my porch. I felt like something was watching me from the woods like over our fence, just like looking at me. So I constantly like I grabbed what I call a, we call it a, a god light. It's just a really big uh, mag light uh, flashlight. And so I'd like scan the edge of the of the um fence because i was like okay somebody is either on the other side like looking at me or there's like oddly enough sasquatch looking at me or something because <laughs> i do believe in those um but i wouldn't see anything and the night that it actually started raining and the hurricane was you know coming through um he calls me and he says what are you doing right now and i said i'm in my house I'm in my room, I'm, I'm watching TV, and he says, well, I figured out uh, what you think is, is watching you, and I said, okay, like, do I need to, like, prepare myself or whatever, and he's like, well, you're in your house and you have cats, right, and I was like, yeah, I got cats, and he's like, well, then you're perfectly fine, and I'm thinking, okay, so, like, he's BSing me right now or trying to make me feel better, or he's just gonna give me some off-the-wall story, and he says, there is something watching you. He said, did you used to have nightmares when you were a kid about a man in a hat and a trench coat and i was like how do you know because i don't you know this isn't something that i had really told anybody about and he said well he's following you he's watching you and i was like no like those were those were dreams when i was like a kid like he's not real and he's like well he either he manifested from your imagination or he's been there all along and he's like, he can't hurt you when you're in motion, and he can't hurt you when you're asleep. 
And he most definitely can't hurt you when you're in your house because demons are afraid of cats. And I was, all I could think about was like, this is too far-fetched. Like, I, I can't, I can't actually believe this. But then the next day at work, he, he drew a picture of what it looked like. And it was the same thing that I had seen in my dreams when I was a kid. Just this dark figure with like, like a wide brim, black hat and a trench coat. So I'm assuming you freaked out at that point? <laughs> yeah, I freaked out very bad. And I said, get rid of it get rid of the picture um if this thing is really following me i need to get rid of it and he actually still has a picture uh as far as i know still on his mini fridge in his office i don't know why he kept it it's beyond creepy um and sometimes like if i'm out in the backyard I can still like it's only at night though. I could like I sometimes like I can almost feel it to where I don't want to be out in the backyard. I actually for the longest time quit smoking, so I wouldn't have to go out there at night. So you quit smoking because of paranormal activity? Yes, <laughs> because I was so scared of being in my backyard. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I mean, hey, whatever it takes for for you to quit. I, I mean, I had to quit <laughs> myself. So uh, for me, it was just you know. It wasn't paranormal. It was just me not wanting to die too soon. So, uh. yeah. <laughs> well, um, kind of like backtracking a little bit. I was, you know, I I was in the Navy for two and a half years. So, smoking was kind of like the escape from work for about you know ten minutes. You're like, oh, I'm gonna go on a smoke break. You know, you get to you get to walk away from whatever job you're doing for a little bit. So yeah. it became a very serious habit. Yeah, uh, mine was. Uh just born out of pure boredom from driving truck. So, I mean, I, I smoked on and off throughout my entire life. Even in my childhood, I smoked. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I started driving truck, it was just like, I'm bored and I'm going to smoke. And so, <laughs> I, I, that's what it was for my dad too, driving truck, because he's, he's driven for like major, you know, um, like two of the major companies that are cross country. And so he said he was just bored. And then uh, when he quit at the local company, he picked up smoking again. But I'm pretty sure, like, it, he would try to, you know, bullshit me. But I saw the cigarette butts, like, hiding in his car. I knew that he was still, you know, smoking every now and again. Yeah, it's a hard habit to kick. Hard habit to kick. But, hey, if you're inspired by uh, paranormal stuff, it might, might make it a little easier. Just a little tip <laughs> for anybody out there. <laughs> but, yeah, be wary. You go out in the backyard to smoke and something might actually get you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so you're in South Carolina now. And I know, uh, I can't remember if it's South Carolina or North Carolina. It might be North Carolina. It's been recently getting a lot of Bigfoot activity. Have you ever heard of any uh, stuff going on down there as far as Bigfoot goes that makes you a little hesitant? There's a there's a story here in the little town that I'm in because I'm I'm just outside of Columbia, and um, my friend who's who grew up here, um, he told me about it. Uh, he said that something had come through the backyard and tore out like one side of their fence on their property, and then left a hole on the other side. And people would swear that it was like a panther or a cougar or something, but he said he thinks he thinks it might be, you know, a Bigfoot because there's a lot of forest out here. 
and um his uncle also on the property had like these um raccoon um catchers because they were supposedly like they were being really you know loud at night and and knocking over trash and just making a mess so he wanted to get rid of them but the next morning when he went out to go get the raccoons out of the um traps they were ripped to shreds by something and so they believe it was a it was a bigfoot that ate them <laughs> and ripped them up well <laughs> i mean uh if they were going after the same thing he was going after he might do that but i don't know why he wouldn't just eat those i mean that's easy it's like a freaking pop tart you know? know interesting well i mean he was the the my friend's uncle wasn't after him to eat him he was after him to get rid of him but i guess this bigfoot that was his dinner oh so <laughs> so you're saying like they were torn in pieces like they were actually in pieces yes yes like gotcha. blood everywhere <laughs> kind of torn to pieces okay that, like something was eating them yeah that makes sense that makes sense well uh i i know those things are down there as far as north carolina goes uh you know is let me ask you this question south carolina is it much more rural than north carolina is um i want to say they're about the same um because I've, I've i mean i've driven through north carolina and i've been down here for the last five years i i feel like it's about the same okay yeah because I, I i get a lot of uh, people who live in North Carolina contacting me and stuff, but South Carolina is, it's very far, far in between. I, I don't get a ton of people from South Carolina. And I just didn't know if maybe the population was that much lower than North Carolina. I think it, it, it also has something to do with people from North Carolina. I feel like are a little bit more open-minded and there's also a lot more mountains up there. Um, I mean, but that's besides the point of the open-mindedness, but I mean, and people down here, they're so quick to, to dismiss it so it could either be the the small mindedness versus the open mindedness or the fact that north carolina has mountains and south carolina doesn't geographically speaking that's a very real possibility i mean if the habitat's better up north that's where they're going to be right yeah and i mean they get they get snow and everything too down here not so much that's so interesting that it's the next state down and you don't get as much snow as the north that's that's interesting but yeah. you know, I guess it makes sense. I mean, the further south you go, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm telling you, the, these uh, experience. I'm telling you what your your first experience with the Grim Reaper. Ah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, what do you say to that? I mean, it's like one of those things where uh, you saw what you saw, you saw it with other people, so you know you're not crazy. I'm assuming you're probably glad that you saw it with other people. Because it kind of yeah, backs up your claim. I'm pretty sure if I would have saw it myself, I probably just would have dropped to the ground in the fetal position. But also, if I was by myself, I wouldn't be running around a cemetery either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, well, some people do it by themselves. But uh, yeah, I I think if I would have saw it by myself, I would have been really concerned about, you know, am I going crazy? Did I really see that? All that stuff. All those normal questions people have and stuff in their head. So, uh, you know it's probably best that you did see it with other people and stuff and uh, that they all confirmed that they saw it. You know, not, nobody's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't see anything. That that would be the worst. I, I always hate it when I hear stories where people are like, you know, they're talking about it and other people are there, but then they turn around and they deny it. And I'm like, why? Because that just makes you feel so much more crazy.
Well, thank you, Jennifer, for coming on the show and sharing your experiences. And before we get to Mitch, I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. Simply Safe has become a friend of the confessionals. They love us and we love them. And I'll tell you, friends, Simply Safe is something that you should definitely consider to get to protect your home. We have it at our house and we've had it here for several, several years now. Before I even started this podcast, I had Simply Safe in the house because I heard it on other people's radio programs and I thought, you know what? If it's that simple, I want it. And it is that simple. When you get Simply Safe, you can set it up in about 30 to 45 minutes, maybe an hour if you live in a super duper mansion, but it took me about an hour because I'm slow. But it works great, friends. I'm telling you that right now. One thing that I love about Simply Safe is that there is no long-term contracts or hidden fees or even installation costs because you do it yourself. And as somebody who has signed lots of bad contracts in my life, including the time that I went to college and I signed that contract saying, yeah, I'll pay back this money. Awful contract for a 17-year-old to sign. I hate contracts. So the fact that Simply Safe doesn't make you sign contracts like that, I'm all about that action and you should be too. So right now, my listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash confessionals. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com slash confessionals for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe.com slash confessionals free security camera when i read that i actually had to look twice because i was like hold on a second that's actually a really good deal and i hope you guys actually take up this offer now let's get to mitch right now mitch how you doing man i'm doing good all right good man so uh, you and I just spent some time talking and stuff, and I appreciate you being patient because I was actually late for this interview because I was stuck in a line at Walmart, or not Walmart, Home Depot. I uh, I swing over there to get some uh, sealant for my basement wall, and there's a line wrapping around the corner of the building because they only let like 70 people in the store at one time and uh, six foot distance between everybody. So it was a long line, but I appreciate you being patient, man. Yeah, no problem. So you have... Uh, Many different different paranormal experiences throughout your life, uh, stemming back to around five or six years old, and we're just gonna work through it co- chronologically today. Uh, so let's start off with the five to six year old range where uh, you saw, I guess, a shape of a man somewhere in the house, right? Yeah, it was right at the time I uh, my grandpa had just died, and it was right about at the time I remember as a kid just being confused, not knowing what had happened. And I, I can't say I wasn't really old enough to be close, close with him, but, you know, he had an impact on, on me. And it was that time and I was laying in bed and I, I woke up and I looked out and there's like a figure, but it was like glowing and it wasn't scary, scary, but just not understanding. It was just looking in at, in my mom and dad's bedroom. And it was actually my mom's dad that had died. And I just sat there looking at it. And I don't know what to say. That's all it did. I just saw saw this figure standing there. I told my mom about it later. And she's like, you know, you didn't see nothing. You know, you didn't, you know, whatever. You were dreaming. I was like, no, mom, I wasn't dreaming. But, like, what can you say? You're you're a kid. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's all that I, I remember. And, like, listening to your show has helped me recall some of this stuff that you kind of, like, you know, you're just told, you know, ah, you didn't see nothing. You went to, you know, 
you were dreaming. It was, that didn't happen. And that kind of stuff. You're like, well, wait, yeah, you're, you're working and thinking about, it. I'm like, yeah. And listening to the show and listening to people, I'm like, oh yes, this stuff did, did happen to me. And I don't know how much to say, say about that, but it was the same, you know, right about the same time. And that same, um, that I had a nightlight in my bedroom and you know how the nightlight would shine on, on the wall and it would just make the nightlight shape. Well, an, another night I woke up and that nightlight was in the shape of a cookie cutter angel. And I'm like, told my mom about it. You know, you know, you put the blankets over your head and then you, you know, look again and you, you keep doing that back and forth to see if it's really there. And every time that, that angel was on the wall. And I, I don't know what to make about that. You know, and that it happened one time. That's all thought that's all that happened. I told my mom about it and she said, Oh, it must be the lights from outside that were reflecting. And I'm like, mom, the, the blinds were down. There's, it's just the, you know, is the nightlight that was making that, that shape, you know? And she just, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm busy. Do you know, not that didn't happen or whatever you were dreaming again, you're dreaming. Yeah. That seems to be a very common thing with uh, parents and little kids, especially parents who don't give credence to these kind of things. It's just like, Oh, you were dreaming. Don't worry about it. Go yeah. to sleep. Yeah. I don't want to deal with it or, you know, I don't know what to deal. And I, you know, I guess she didn't know how to deal with it or, you know, didn't know what to say. And yet I know that, you know, she's probably had similar things, you know, that they, they've experienced. They just don't, maybe it's that older generation didn't want to uh, talk about it or they don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, then it was right around that same time later on, it was, you know, maybe a year later or six months later that the timeline isn't really there, but uh, me and my friend were walking back home to our houses and we lived, you know, a couple doors down from each other. And we saw like all of a sudden in the sky above our heads was like the best way to describe it would be like a, well, if you call it an orb or it looked like just like a mini little sun, but it wasn't as bright as the sun, but it was just up there kind of just glowing, you know, and just kind of like you picture the sun going and we both looked at it and, you know, we're just sitting there staring. And then all of a sudden, you know, how kids when you get scared and all of a sudden you get that fear and you just bolt. Yeah. And my friend, he, he just took off running and I'm like, I, I guess I didn't have enough sense to realize I should be scared, but I picked up on the fear that he had had. And then I was scared and he went running to his house. His house was first. And I went running to my house and I ran in the house because it was time to eat. And you know, I'm telling my mom about it. She's like, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And of course she said, you didn't see anything. There's, you know, like, what was that? And then I got done eating. I went back to the, down to my friend's house and he was out in the yard with his mom and dad. And they, they were being really weird. And his dad was like one of these guys, kind of like the, the nice neighbor dad, the super nice guy. You know, you bring your, your bike tire over there and he would fix the flat and he would do this stuff for you. You know, you couldn't ask for a nicer dad. And I remember going over there and saying, hey, what would you think about that? And his mom came at me and she was really stern. She was like, he's really, he was really upset by that. And 
I don't want you to talk to him about it. I don't want you to, you know, say anything. But I was like, well, what was it? You know, just trying as, as a kid, you know, you're six, seven years old trying to figure out what this was. And then his dad came over. He said, well, you saw uh, a weather balloon. I'm like, a weather balloon? I'm like, it, uh, there's no balloon part. There's no, yes. Yeah, so wouldn't it be, uh, you know, you're a kid trying to think, oh, a balloon. Well, there should be a balloon shape. There should be something. I, and I said, it's not a balloon. Well, this, the, the, my friend's dad got really angry with me and he told me, you saw a weather balloon. I don't want you talking to him about this anymore. In fact, you need to go home. You need to leave. I, I just remember being really confused about that whole situation and not knowing, you know, what do you, I didn't have the mental capacity to really know what was going on and, and, uh, there's no internet, there's nothing, you know, to look at. So I just was left wondering, and it, it's kind of, you stuff that, you know, stuff that in the back of your mind and listening to some of the shows and listening, especially to, uh, you know, your show and Wes's show and talking about the orbs and this kind of stuff is like, wait a second. Yeah. These things are, there might be something to them. Nothing happened, nothing except for our fear and not understanding what was going on. Do you think that the parents uh, were like that towards you because of their son's reaction? So in a sense where maybe they didn't know what it was, but all they knew is that their son was terrified and they're trying to calm him down. So they're telling him it was a weather balloon and they didn't want you ruining that cover story. I think that's what it was because he was, he was more upset about it, but than I was, I was just kind of like, I don't know what just happened. I, you know, I guess I, maybe I was a little more dense or something. I don't, I don't know what to say, <laughs> but you know, you're just kind of like, I don't, you know, huh? I don't know what's happening. And he was very, very upset about it. And it, like, it was, he was upset to the core. And I think it, I, 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 part of me is like, I think it's a faith type of thing or like, I've always known I'm a, a Christian. I haven't had like this moment where I, I've, uh, you know, here I am, I've turned myself, you know, I haven't had that kind of moment that people talk about, but I've always just kind of known if that makes sense. And I think that's protected me my whole life is what the, the only thing I've been able to figure out as I've been able to look back on some of these things. And I think that was just part of, what had happened. I think there's a, I had a protection where I wasn't having that fear. And that's, that's really, as I've gotten older, the only way I can make sense of that. Yeah. Well, that makes and, sense. Yeah. And that's, that, I guess that's the only way I can, I can, you know, make sense of the other stuff. And I, even then I look back as, as far, as far as seeing the angel in the room. And I think, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I think that was, as I've been older and looking, I'm like, I think those are just, you know, outward displays of, hey, I got you. You know, you're covered. You may not understand, but, you know, you're whatever. There's a, a, a like a supernatural protection over the, over me that way. Yeah, it's um, I can see what you're saying, man. I really do. I, I, I think that it's almost like uh, it, you had an innate sense of a reality that we live in a spiritual world 
And so it, it, that's what it seems like. It seems like you you just innately understood some of the spiritual aspects of this world and how it, it it's real. And some people aren't on that kind of level. And so when they when they face when they're faced with it, you know, face to face, they kind of freak out. Yeah, and I think you you put it in better words than I can. Um, I'm like I don't know what you know, but I think that's exactly it. Is you there's you had an understanding that he didn't an understanding and a calm that he didn't have. And I, I actually kind of feel bad that he didn't have that, that he had to have that fear is what, you know, I just wish he didn't have it. Yeah. And, I, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I don't know what else to say about, about that kind of thing. I'll let you kind of lead me on, <laughs> on where, uh, where we're supposed to go with, with things. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, I think it's really interesting. And the whole orb situation, I, I don't, I don't know what they are. I mean, you could say that they're spirits. You could say that they're, I, I don't know. I mean, ball lightning, people say that it's ball lightning. And so, uh, but one thing is for sure, people are seeing it and it's, you know, on a level of people seeing it that you can't really deny that it's, that's fake anymore because of the vast amount of people who are seeing, it. I mean, I've seen similar things in the woods. I mean, I haven't, I wouldn't say it was like a ball, but I saw this light that was just hovering inside the canopy and it was just pulsating light. And I don't know what it yeah. was, you know, but it was, it was interesting and it wasn't moving and never moved. It just kind of pulsated out and it was just gone. So, um, but speaking of the woods, I mean, you've had an experience where you were at camp and something had happened to you guys, right? While you were canoeing. Yeah, we were up in, uh, it was the Boundary Waters canoe area of Minnesota. And there's three of us in a canoe and we were fishing along the shore and there's different lakes you can go to. And some lakes are populated with campsites and stuff but then there's other lakes that you can portage into and nobody's camping on them nobody's there you know then we were going fishing and we we're looking you know we we're trying to find a lake that there's no campers on trying to get more fish and we we're casting into the shore so i want to say maybe we we're 50 to 75 feet away from the shoreline and the three of us, I mean, it was a perfect day, perfect sunny day, not too hot, not, it's just, just one of those perfect days. And we're casting and all of a sudden there's a, a plop, you know, or just a, you know, a rock had been thrown. None of us, you know, we never saw anything. We didn't know anything, but all three of us were like, that was weird, you know. And I was probably 14 or 15 at the time, but all three of us were like, should we get out of here? You know, and that's all we said. That's all we did. You know, like we should probably leave. And we left and it was just a rock that was thrown out. And since I've been able to listen to Sasquatch Chronicles and your show, I'm like reflecting back. I'm like, that was probably in that same area, that same Boundary Waters area. There's Wes has had interviews. And I think you have too about, people in that area having experiences with with uh bigfoot and i'm like i wonder if that was a rock being thrown and you hear about them throwing them at people that are fishing it's like that's that was the whole story that i mean that's all that happened and we were all none of us even knew how to process what what had just happened didn't make sense we didn't hear anything all we know was there's a rock probably little smaller than a basketball that was thrown and it was fairly close to our canoe and it just that was weird oh yeah and yeah 
And that's, and now just listening to, you know, the stories, I'm like, okay, that, that's probably what had happened. And none of us, you know, you grew up, you know, $6 million man and saw, you know, and Bigfoot and, you know, in search of and all those, you know, that kind of stuff. And like, I, I bet that's what, that's probably what it was, you know, and the more I've listened and the more you start to understand, it's like, that's what it, I think it happened. My yeah. kids think I'm crazy <laughs> when I tell them that. <laughs> They're like, Dad. Yeah, but they all started listening to you. You know, they started listening to your show and Wes's show. So I was like, well, there's more to it. than you know, you can't just dismiss this stuff. And, you know, not everybody could be crazy out there. Yeah. You know, the, it's, there's some stuff that we can't, uh, you just can't deny it. And that was that. And then later on when I was, 18, I went to, I had joined the Marines and I, I was at boot camp and, you know, we were out in the field, we we're, we we're doing, you know, there's a lot of hiking and that kind of stuff. And, and my whole body had started to, we we're uh, essentially, I just call it camping. You're in the field and, and my whole body, cause I was so dehydrated had started to like seize up when you're, you get the cramps from not not getting enough water, not getting the electrolytes you need. And we're, it was at night and my whole body was seizing up. And I don't know if you call it a hallucination or what it was, but there's this figure that woke me up and the figure kind of, it, it, I didn't see, it was more just kind of like a, you know, it's nighttime. It was just a figure. I didn't see complete shape or anything, but, when he talked, he talked like my grandpa that had died, you know, when I was younger. And he said, you need to get up and you need to, you know, use the bathroom. You need to get some water. You need to do the, this and you need, you know, you need to do these things. And I was in a, I was in a rough state. I was like, I was not physically well. And I didn't want to like get held back because you, you weren't, you know, you couldn't make it. And then I, I couldn't graduate with my platoon platoon, but he had waken me up and we were walking. We walked to the bathroom. We walked to get some water. I drank, you know, I don't know how many canteens of water and had some salt. And I was just talking with him. We were just talking. And it was just like, I was walking with my grandpa. And then I, I went in to use the bathroom and I said, are you going to be here when I'm gone? He's like, don't worry. I'll, I'll be here. But I came out and he wasn't there, but I, I always thought, well, somebody has always been with me or just kind of had that, that feeling like, you know, I'm always being watched over or, you know, just kind of, I, I, I don't know what to make of it, Tony. I'm like, just kind of have that, just that confidence knowing that, Hey, somebody there's you know, if it, I don't know if it's, if it's Jesus, you know, I don't know how to describe that, that type of situation, but that had happened to me when I was 18. And then moving on from there, uh, Gulf war one had happened and I was, I was in the, actually in the Marine reserves. So I'd been working part-time at a gas station and, you know, it got called, we got activated to go to the war and 
I, I was really tired of dealing with the family drama of me going to war and me doing this and me doing that. And I'm like, I picked up all the hours I could at the gas station that, you know, just to get away from all the, I, I was just kind of, I, I guess I was being selfish, not, you know, it's like, I just wanted to get away from it. And I wanted to be, I didn't want to deal with that kind of stuff. Well, at that point in time, there's, there's like this assistant manager that was working at the gas station and we're talking, I was telling him what's going on. I said, yeah, I've been activated. He's, you know, he was talking to me. I don't even remember what his name was, but his name was Joe or something like that. And, and we're sitting outside talking and he told me that he'd been in Vietnam and we're talking and then we're talking, having a cigarette. And he asked me, I said, he's like, are you scared? I said, yes, I, I, I am scared. And then he said, well, you know, do you believe in Jesus? And I, you know, it's weird. Tony. I, I just kind of like, you know, you're like, it's like you have that hesitation moment. I'm like, well, yeah, I believe in Jesus. He's like, well, then don't worry about it. You're going to be fine. You're like, okay. It's like, I'll just take it at that. And that was the end of the conversation. We went about our work and did our stuff. Well, I went over to the war. I was actually part of the whole, you know, theater of operations. We were there. And when I got home, I went back to the gas station and I asked about seeing this guy. And the manager of the gas station said, I don't know who you're talking about. And I was like, well, yeah, he he was here as an assistant manager right before I left. And he's like, no, there's nobody, you know, he was, he was never here. There's, I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, again, I was like, okay, that's just, I, I just didn't say anything more, but I was like trying to, who was I talking to then? You know, I, I don't know what, what that was, but Hey, I I'll take it. Somebody told me, and they said, you're going to be fine. I'll take it at that. And then during the, uh, during that wartime, um, I, I don't know if you're, are if were you old enough to remember the whole footage of that first Gulf war? Uh, not really. Cause I, I mean, I was, I was born in 85. So I mean, it, I knew okay, yeah. when I was a kid, I knew there was something going on and the idea of war. And I had a, I had a very Hollywood idea of war. So I was always walking around scared, but I really didn't okay. know what was going on. Well, at the time of the breach, you know, that's when we finally went into Kuwait, we, we were going in and I'll tell you like where Saddam Hussein had started the oil wells on fire. You could see the fire. You could see all the stuff. Well, we were on, before we went, started to go in, on one side of the line, it was like a perfectly sunny day. I mean, if you were to like envision like a heavenly, you know, as far as what it was, like just a really nice day on this side. And then we're starting to go into the breach, into the breach or into the, towards the oil well. And when you're going into there, I'll tell you, Tony, it looked like you're going into hell, you know, because you got these fires and it's on one side, it's all black. It's completely black and the, the foot is in the air. And on the other side, it was perfectly sunny. We were driving into that and I was scared. I was nervous. So like, 
okay, what's going on? I, you know, I don't know. It's like, I guess they're expecting us to die. And like, yeah, this is what, what's going to happen. And I'll tell you, there's almost a line from the, the, the light to the darkness. And I, I was driving a truck and I was driving my truck across. I swear it was like right at that line. The second I crossed that line, there's a, a bird that flew in front of me. And it was like, I want to say it was like a, a white dove type of bird. It flew right in front of my truck, right in front of the windshield, but it didn't land anywhere. It didn't go anywhere. It just flew right in front of me and it was gone. And at that point, I just, there's a, I had a complete calm. I'm like, there's nothing I can do about this. Either way, if I live, I, you know, I'll live my life. If I die, I know I'm going to be fine either way. And I was just able to do, go in, do what we had to do. And I didn't, it didn't, you know, I just didn't have, I had a, a calm that I would have never expected all from that, that one bird. And I, I don't know what to make of that either, but it was all of that timeline. And then at the same time I'd been, my wife, well, my wife, she was a girlfriend at the time. We had, uh, you know, we were getting serious and I knew we were getting serious, but I'd, I'd had a dream at that time that there was a woman at a door and she opened the screen door and she let me in, let me into the house. And that's all I remember. But I just remember this woman at the door and my wife would ask me, well, how do you know I'm the one? And I always thought it was my wife that was older in the, in the dream <clears throat> that was opening the door. But 25 years later, and I, I'm, pardon me if I'm skipping around 25 years later at our 25th uh, wedding anniversary, I'd figured it out looking at pictures that it was her grandma that met me at the door in my dream and opened the door to let me into the house. And I was like, it wasn't you in the dream. It, if it all made sense, I was like, it was your grandma that let me in and her grandma had died, you know, shortly after I'd returned from the, from the first Gulf War. I, I, that's, I, that all that kind of stuff happened all about at the same time, as far as that kind of stuff, but it's always stuck with me. And it's always just been, I've always known it there. It's there. And I've, talked about it i've told my wife about it but uh it was all right in the, in the same timeline uh you want to keep we do you want me to keep going with yeah. uh what okay let me let me do that and then uh i know when my wife and i had uh we had gotten married and i've bought houses remodeled them and and uh you know did that you know you you live in them for a while sell them you know try to build another or build or, or remodel another house try to do that but there's one house of that bought um it was really bad i mean the realtor it smelled so bad that the realtor wouldn't even go inside yeah i went inside and there's people that had been doing it's like they were it was a complete drug house um they had dog crap around their beds poop was piled up outside the toilet i mean this place was 
this place is a wreck. And I was like, it's perfect. I love it. I want to buy it. Cause I, you know, I couldn't afford a whole lot else. You know, I'm like, I know I'm gonna make money. And it's, it's a good location and it's going to be a, a good house. What I hadn't anticipated is, or I, I didn't have a clue, but when we moved into that house, my second son had been born. And when we brought my second son home, uh, I had a dog that would sleep under under my son's uh, crib all the time. And in the middle of the night, that dog would just be going nuts over something. It would just be like, start barking at something and start going crazy. And, and like at the, the air, you know, something. I, I he'd go in the living room and start just going nuts. And I mean, this would be like at midnight, two in the morning, different times in the morning. Like, what are you barking at? The blinds are shut. So it's not seeing raccoons. It's not, there's nothing made sense. Well, then one night in the middle of the night, I had this, I, I want to say a dream, but I had this dream, like a snake was like trying to choke me out, like trying to get around my body. And I, I, I gotten out of the bed. I was, I smashed into the door. I was slamming into the hallway. The kid's playpen was out in the living room. And I, I was wrestling with this. I mean, it was a big snake. I was wrestling with the snake. I'd smashed him in the playpen, destroyed the playpen. And the whole time my wife and it, do you want me to tell you what she was saying or, yeah, or it. just, she kept screaming, what the, f- what the fuck are you, t- what the fuck? She kept screaming the whole time. And I'm half in like this, this, uh, sleep state, half in this, you know, awake state. I'm, I'm wrestling with this snake. And finally it's like, after I'd been done wrestling, I, whatever, the snake was gone. And I was, I was all bruised up. I was banged up. I was all beat up, but whatever was going on was gone in the house. And like, I have, I, you know, as I've gotten older and I look back, I'm like, I happen to think it was spirits that were left into that house that were left in that house from the, you know, the, the people that have been living there. I think there's some weird stuff. And I, you know, I really wasn't equipped to know how to deal with it. And I think that's, that's what it, uh, that's the only thing that makes sense to me is what had happened. And I think that wrestling, you know, the snake was, was an attack and I, I can't say, you know, I don't, I can't say I have the spiritual prowess to, to be able to take care of all that kind of stuff, but there's, there's kind of just a different, different thing about the whole house after that just a different uh feeling and i it again yeah i don't you know i don't know what to make of it except for that's what that's what had happened well the son my second son who'd been born he we had later built another house and moved into another house and I'll tell you, Tony, this kid, and I've got five kids. This son, he was out of control. He was like, when it was bedtime, the kid was just, uh, I mean, talk about wanting to pull your hair out. He was like, he was a kid that you just, I didn't know what to make of it. And it's like, he had have these night terrors and he would have these like, just weird, weird. It's like the kid couldn't settle down going to sleep. 
Well, one night my wife was saying prayers with him, and I this is more her story than, than my story, but she had said, you'd had a good night last night. And he told, he told my wife, he's like, yeah. And my wife was trying to get some more information out of him. And he said, and my, you know, he was like, my wife's like, well, what, what was going on? How come, you know, what, what happened? And he said, well, uh, a man, I, I, I don't know how to tell the story, right? He's like, a man was here with me last night. And he said, Jesus slept with me last night. Finally, it came out. And my wife was like, huh, you know, what's going on? And he was like, yes, he kissed me here, 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 and here. And my wife grew up Catholic, and she said he'd made, where Jesus had kissed him, had made the sign of the cross. And I'm probably getting the story wrong, but after that, no problems with our son, son sleeping at night. And no, you know, there's a lo- all that stuff, those problems. It's just, it was it was gone from him and he is, he's a strong believer. He has a strong faith. He always has. He's always, you know, very, I I don't know how to describe it, but he's just, I think there's some sort of like an attack on him or some sort of something. And then he had that protection that, that uh, just took care of all that all that stuff for him. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those, another one of those things. I, I don't know what to make of it, but you know, it's, it happened. He told my wife about it. He was, you know, too young to really, you know, know about that kind of stuff. And yet he, he told her, he's like, this is what happened. And, and like, okay, that's kind of a, that's kind of a neat story. You know, you're like, uh, it's, uh, I know, I don't want to say story, but it's just kind of, it's very, uh, like kind of amazing. I, I don't know what to, what to make of it. All I know is I'm like, I'm glad it happened. And then, you know, I've, I've done, I bought a lot of old houses. I bought a lot of that kind of stuff. I recognize it's like, as I've gotten older, I recognize there's, things in the house and some of these old houses, especially if there's foreclosures or there, that there's, you know, stuff that's going gone on. I, I recognize, I, I, and I'm not saying I can just like, Oh, there's spirits or there's this and that, but I just recognize there's a feeling in places. And I recognize, and I can tell now when whatever is lingering or whatever's hanging around when it's finally gone. And it seems like as you're like, you know, you clean the cobwebs out, you clean stuff out. It's like whatever's lingering around leaves also. And there's been, it's like, there's been houses, you buy them. I'm like, something's not right here. Everything looks good. This looks good. That looks good. But something, something's just not uh, sitting right with me. And, and I've, went ahead and bought them anyways because they're everything seems right but at the same time there's stuff that the, the things that aren't right are on more of a spiritual sense than than a physical sense and even if you just pray while you're working and you do you know you're like it's almost like you're dry it's 
I, I don't know if I'm describing it right, but it just drives whatever those spirits are. It drives them out. And once they're gone, they're gone. And it just, it makes life a lot more pleasant. And then the house becomes pleasant and people come in and they're like, yeah, it's different here. And then kind of wrapping some of that stuff up, there's a guy back in the 2008, 2009, you know, I was doing a, a fairly extensive remodel job for a guy and he was a nice guy, but there's something weird about the guy. There's something about, about him. Um, I, I don't know how else to describe it. This guy from three, four feet away had breath that would just about, I, I, it's not even like bad breath smell. It was like a sulfury smell. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it was, it was just weird. And the guy always paid me. He always did whatever. But while I was working, it was at the time of, uh, oh, when John McCain and Sarah Palin were, you know, that, that whole presidential thing. Yeah. And the guy wanted to keep talking politics and he wanted to, I'm like, I don't want to talk politics, especially you, I got to get money from you. And I, I don't want to do this. Well, then it turned into talking about religious type of stuff. And the guy was wealthy. He had money and he was telling me, he was like, you know, and I was just asking him questions. Like, how do you, uh, you know, how'd you get where you're at? How do you, how'd you start your company? How, you know, just, Hey, if he tells me some stuff that I can learn from, I'm all about learning. Well, he told me, he said he likes to get up every morning and he likes to meditate. <coughs> Excuse me. And he said, when I meditate, the spirits guide me. And I was like, oh boy, how do I even approach this one? Well, I, and <laughs> I, 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 I said it, I'm like, well, how do you know what spirits you're talking to? And he looked at me, and I, I'm like, I, he's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, those, as far as I know, those could be like, you know, a demons or demonic spirits or stuff that maybe you don't want to be. <laughs> well, I, I said that, and that really got the guy mad. He really got upset, and he was like, well, what do you believe? You know, like, and I was like, I, I, I don't want to talk religion or politics with you. I just want to get this done. Well, I had to run to Home Depot and I got in my truck and he hopped in my truck with me. Like, okay, this is weird. I usually don't have people doing that. I usually, you know, I go get what I need to get. And, and it's, but he hopped in with me and I, Tony, I swear this guy, I mean, the breath was so overpowering and he got in my truck and he said, well, who do you believe in? And when he said that to me, I swear he changed. He was not the same guy. Uh, There's something different about the guy. And I felt this pressure. Like it's, I'm like, Oh, what do I say here? And I'm like, Jesus is my savior. And when I said that, it's like the guy completely, whatever was going on, completely retreated and he was he was no longer the breath was still bad but his his like uh 
just his kind of like his demeanor and just the way he would just this kind of arrogance that he was like talking to me, it was no longer there. And I was like, that's, uh, I, and it's not like I was trying to be, I, I was scared. I was like, I kind of like, I feel like Peter, when he denied Christ three times, I almost felt like I, you know, I could have been the one like denying, you know, like, you know, no, I don't know him, that kind of stuff. I, I'm like, but I was like, I want to say I was probably kind of timid when I said, well, Jesus, I, I, I can't say I boldly said it, but I, I did say it. And at that time, whatever was going on, it was over. And that was, uh, you know, that was at that time period. And then since then, it's just, you know, I can't say I have any other, other stories, but that was, that was kind of the, the biggest thing. And when I, been listening to your, you know, your podcast and listening to people's stories. I was like, I'm going to email Tony. I don't know if there's enough for him to put on the show or if it's, you know, what he's looking for, but that's where that's kind of just wanted to get that off my chest or just say it. And like, hopefully it, it helps somebody else too. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think that, uh, <laughs> that last experience you had and stuff is interesting. I mean, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm trying to think if I have ever, if I've ever heard of somebody who maybe was like a demonic possession kind of thing where they smelled like sulfur. But I mean, do you think that guy had some kind of weird stuff going on? And like, as far as like demonic stuff, or do you think maybe he was involved in new age or, or what? I, I don't really know. I, I, the guy was just a little bit weird. It, just to put it bluntly, he was, He's a little bit off, but I needed work. I needed the money. You know, it's like it was that time, that whole recession type of period. And I'm like, I, you know, the guy pays. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't balk at pain. And I, I, I literally think it was, it was some sort of, I, I don't want to say possession or I, maybe it was possession, but I, I don't know what, but it was the breath. And I don't even know what sulfur really smells like. I'm just saying sulfur because, but it was, it was horrendous breath. And it was just coming like, it was something I can't even describe what it was. It was just, and it was like across the room type of stuff. And like, dude, you know, have a mint. <laughs> it, it just, I, 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 I'm like, but I, I got to put up with this. Cause I, I need, you know, I, I want, I like to eat and I like to pay my bills and, and, I, I remember tell you telling the, the story about uh, when you had to go to a guy's apartment and it was just like kind of a weird, uh, I don't remember the, recall the story that you'd had, but it was like something where you just felt like kind of attacked and, and it was just kind of that thing. And then once we kind of got that, you know, in my truck, it was like the guy just, he kind of like backed off. And he just, you know, there wasn't that same kind of like, like, I'm just going to get this guy. I'm just going to like, he just kind of let me do my thing. And in fact, he wouldn't even like sit and watch me work anymore. He just kind of, it's like, he just let me be, let me do my thing. And then it didn't, wasn't, you know, all that harassment was gone, but it was just, he was just almost like relentless while I was working there. And it's hard to, 
like, okay, I just gotta, I gotta suck it up and do this. And, but I, I really don't, you know, I'm not enjoying this, but Hey, I need to, I need work. And there's not a whole lot of it right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least that he didn't fire you or anything like that. And you were able to finish the job. Yeah. I finished the job and the guy kept, you know, over the years, he's called me back, but I, you know, want me to come do this or that. And I've gone back there a couple of times, but it's still just, it's like, if I don't have to go deal with the creepiness, he's still just kind of creepy, but I, I, it's like, no, I'm not gonna, I, I just don't like, it's just too hard to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I can understand that. I can understand that for sure. Well, it sounds like you've had a, a life filled with spiritual experiences, really. I mean, uh, it, it seems like a couple of these stories, it seems like it was almost like you were being looked out after. Is that how you feel about it, though? That's the way I feel about it. I, I feel like it's been, I've been totally, you know, I like some of the people that you've interviewed, like they've been, uh, they've had almost like, I, I just, I don't know what to say, but yeah, I feel like I've been protected and I feel, you know, there it's, I, I just had, there's a knowing like, yes, I know, you know, that it's here. And, and I'm not saying that all oh, you're protected and nothing bad has ever happened. Yes. Bad things have happened. There's been, you know, there's always struggle. I've always, you know, there's been, Oh, okay. That was, you know, but on some of those kind of things. Yeah. I think there's been, you know, or at least a, a guidance on how to navigate some of that stuff, but I didn't know what I was really doing. Can't say that I had a, you know, I knew what to do. Well, Mitch, I appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories, man. Yeah. 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 Thank you for the show. And, you know, I just I keep tuning in every week here. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. I don't care where you share the show or how you share the show. Just share the show if you enjoyed it. That's the best thing you can do to help the show grow. And again, if you're interested in that voicemail line, if you think it's a good idea for people who are having an experience in the moment to call into the show and say, Tony, this just happened to me, please listen to my story. (laughs) that's what I'm here for. If you think it's going to be a good idea, please let me know in the comments section of this website or on any social media, specifically Instagram, because we're very active on Instagram. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free. But first, it'll piss you off. Bye. waiting for me We both know it's not what it seems We both know what's between the sheets I know that it's a secret and that I gotta keep it but I want the lights on Yeah, I want the lights on
round actually it's not a bonus round i just want to let you guys know i love you thank you very much for being here listening to the confessionals for all these years the show has grown it continues to grow and that's only because you guys are sharing the show and i want to let you know that i started a new instagram see this is a bonus track which means not everybody's going to hear it because hardly anybody listens to the show all the way through so if you're listening to this congratulations you're getting some secret knowledge i started a separate instagram account for all my dystopian ranting dumps that i have instead of flooding the confessionals instagram i decided to start making another instagram where i just specifically focused focus on current events and how that's portrayed into future dystopic societies. I'm posting pictures, videos, lots of conspiratorial type stuff, very triggery stuff. So if you're going to get triggered, I highly suggest you don't follow. But if you want to follow, then go ahead and do so. And the Instagram handle is rage against dystopia, rage underscore against underscore dystopia. I'll see you over there. We're going to have some fun. Bye.